Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Because they were all solo home runs, Josh. Those are okay. in lab coats and there's like cool montage music playing and this Jay's high performance department's walking around. You know, yeah. Those easy Chris Davis fly balls into the second deck. Um, <laughs> I'll never understand him ever. <laughs> And welcome to episode 22 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we are always accepting cash considerations and players to be named later. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by Josh Housem. How you doing tonight, Josh? I'm good. You? I am good, as always. Standard crew here. Uh, the crew, though, in Toronto has changed. We're going to be talking about that the, the last week in Blue Jays land, uh, some of the highlights and lowlights of all that. And then we're going to move on to an interview with Mike's son, Dr. Mike's son, uh, where he wrote an article this week about pitch stress and bullpens and starting rotations. Uh, we have, of course, a couple of do-overs, uh, including a wonderful audio clip of Pat Tabler. And then if we have time, maybe another little discussion about uh, losing and winning and effort and what it's all about. But let's get this started with the big news. Uh, we have an upton upton here and a someone i don't know there's a bad pan with the bad pun with joaquin and benoit i'm sure i've missed um who who we want to talk about first you're walking right into that one ah joaquin right into it uh (laughs) there's that's that's probably the the biggest effect so far i've seen of of benoit is how how many bad jokes about his name so we'll start (laughs) with him um it my assumption is here that they they are looking for the Jason Grilly effect, so to speak. Does does that seem a fair guess? Well, it does, especially if you take that to its what it, what it can really mean in the sense of Grilly still had the stuff, wasn't throwing quite as hard, but was still throwing hard, still had the good slider, but he was just walking way more guys than he was typically used to walking. And so they brought him in here, and it's like maybe just get him out of the crappy situation he's in and might figure it out. Same with Benoit. His fastball is the exact same as it was last year and the year before that when he was dominating for the Padres. He's just walking too many guys, and that's very atypical of him. So it's maybe getting him to a place where there's a real catcher might help. 
it's also quite remarkable that he, his fastball is year over year the exact same thing because he is an older player at, at that point you're usually expecting some of that wear and tear to catch up as it already appears to be catching up to drew store and the man who went the other way yeah story exactly store the reason he sucked this year is he couldn't throw hard anymore and he's a guy who relied on throwing hard to get outs yeah so he was left scratching his head with an what to do as an approach um because he he couldn't couldn't blow the fastball by to set up the slider and then the whole thing broke apart so what right. does benoit throw other well, than that I mean, fastball he, i mean his big pitch is his split change i mean that's what he's always used as his out pitch it's really really good it falls off the table and a little bit towards righties away from lefties and you know it's big value is that it allows him to pitch to both hitters from both sides he throws a bit of a slider but it's not really it's very much his third pitch but he's a, his fastball changeup is what he's that's where he makes his living so if he can get that stuff back in the zone consistently he's still been striking out people at the same rate over 10 per nine which is fantastic again just like really yep so uh yeah it, can you can you strike it uh hit the lottery twice i don't know how long are the odds on the lottery in one season um certainly though drew storen wasn't going to suddenly put it together i don't think not for this no team. he's in his first outing with seattle he's given up four runs keeping it real as they say so the, <laughs> uh the other guy of course is uh, melvin upton jr uh who if you've been in a coma for two or three years you would know as bj upton um he was having a decent season with the padres uh, but he was owed 22 million dollars over the balance of his contract and the padres weren't really interested in paying that for where they were going so now He's a Toronto Blue Jay, and the Jays are only paying $5 million of that $22 million to keep him around for a year and a half. It, and they gave up Hansel Rodriguez. So hot right now. <laughs> More bad pun joke. Anyway, um, Just got to be consistent. <laughs> uh, Gretel was not discussed. Okay, so we get, we get BJ Upton, but what are we Melvin. getting for? Uh, Melvin Upton, sorry. But what are we... Junior. What do we get him for? What... Do we not have a why? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's probably a few reasons to answer that question. For this, when it comes to this year, he provides speed, which and base running ability, which this team doesn't really have. I mean, Ezekiel Carrera is fast, but he can't. He's not a good base runner at all. He has poor instincts and he can't steal. Whereas, other than that, he's fine. (laughs) Yeah, but whereas Upton is very good at both, and Upton provides some power, which. Carrera doesn't have, and he's been crushing lefties, which the Jays don't have a guy who does that either. Well, actually, Carrera is somehow hitting lefties very well this year, but that his numbers have taken quite a dive since he started playing every day. Which is ironic, really, um, uh, in a way. Because, of course, everything you'd ever hear is that it, when a guy plays full-time, that's when he reaches his full potential. Um, well, but I, I yeah. think that it, the way when they say that, usually they're referring to guys who are used to starting, who, when they go to the bench and have to play sparingly they struggle whereas guys that are made for the bench like Carrera when they go to starting they get exposed I've heard that argument made about Josh Tolley in the, the opposite fashion but of course our announcers have a special talent for making arguments in favor of every player <laughs> um, so okay so this year he's he's still looking though at, at three basically full time outfielders is he there in the short run to spell the the more fragile Bautista and Saunders, or the more aged Bautista and the more fragile Saunders, uh, or is is 
is there something else going on there? Are we? Do you think there's another move coming? No, I, I think that in terms of the offense, this is probably the way it's going to stick. And it is, as you just outlined, Saunders and Bautista need time off out of the outfield. They're, you know, they can't play it very well anymore, which we've seen all season. And they're both brittle. So give them time every now and then. We're day off at the DH spot. So you keep their bats in the lineup and you throw Upton, who's a very good outfielder, into the outfield. Yeah, the, the only team I, I did a deep dive into Melvin Upton uh, yesterday. Uh, it was published today, the day we record this. And one of the things is the, the only time that he hasn't played center field since uh, he settled in the outfield back in like 2006 is this year in left field with the Padres. Every other time he's been a center fielder. So so his talent for playing all three outfield positions certainly is not eroding, as it were. No. And, and it's a good thing you mentioned that, too, because the Jays did not have a backup center fielder on the roster. Carrera could play it in a pinch, but he's not good out there. So if, you know, Pilar, his style of play could lead to some, some kind of injury where you at least need at least a couple days off. And now they have a guy who could actually fill in for more than three or four innings, if need be. Which is which is pretty cool, and and for all those people who remember B.J. Upton um, and the disaster that was his mega contract in Atlanta and his complete inability to hit, um, basically since coming back from that foot injury at the beginning of last season, and he was traded while injured. That's how much of a salary dump he was. Um, since coming back and playing for the Padres, he's he's played pretty much like Upton has always played. It, his OPS is in the same range. He steals. Uh, a few bases he hits a few homers um which is kind of shocking for a guy who appeared to have completely fallen off the table at like 27 28 years of age yeah i don't know it's just weird what happens to baseball players at times <laughs> and and i don't think there'll ever be a real answer for that um no and we, we should mention though the, the other right, like we were just talking about the value for this current team the other value is that he is under control next year, and he is a guy who you can start for an entire season, and you know he's a league average guy because the Jays have a lot of free agents. <laughs> yeah, um, whether he is a third outfielder or a fourth outfielder, he yeah he certainly looks to be a guy you're going to keep on the team for next year. That makes total sense because you know you're you're looking at a free agent Michael Saunders and a free agent Jose Bautista. Um, there just went two-thirds of your outfield if you don't pony up for somebody. And there aren't a lot of, as we keep saying, good free agents on the market anyway. So a league average guy for less, for two, well, effectively, what, like $3 million? Pretty awesome, actually. Do you, yeah, well, $5 million total. But that, from the sounds of it, it's actually going to be even cheaper next year. Like, a lot of the money is on this year's uh, budget. So he's basically free in 2017. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, up to nothing. Upton, nothing? Uh, no. Uh, no, that, not that one either. <laughs> okay. No, let's move on. So uh, this whole uh, trade action, obviously the team is trying to improve. And, and I guess it sort of shows this week because they were 3-3 three and three this week against the Mariners and the Padres, who neither of those teams is in any, any sense lighting the world on fire at the moment. But the Jays couldn't quite push it above 500. No, yeah. I mean, the Mariners are definitely the much better team of the two. I mean, they're 51 and 48, whereas the Padres are very much not that. Um, and, you know, the, the Mariners won the series and the, and the Padres didn't. <laughs> That's, but, you know, it wasn't their best. Dickey was very, very bad in, in the two series. 
uh, what was his first start? I don't even remember. Well, that was when they lost 14 to 5 to the Mariners. Yeah. And then, you know, they lost 8 to 4. We're recording this on Wednesday to the Padres today. Again, a dicky start. Um, The other ones, the games they lost were just the same reason they've been losing all season is the offense just didn't show up. Especially with runners on base and in scoring position. It's... no problem hitting home runs. Uh, yeah, these, it's a strange offense. For something that looks so intimidating on paper, there, there are nights where they don't seem to do anything until there's two outs. And that's an excruciatingly difficult position to score runs out of. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's why <laughs> that seems to be happening. No, what's happening? You know, they lost 2-1. to one. They won 2 nothing. They won 4-2. And, you know, they scored some runs in, in uh, the extra inning game, but you know, they scored three of them in the 12th. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that extra inning game, which had some of the strangest, craziest things going on. Even before they got to extra innings at, at 4-3, Jose Bautista struck out and a run scored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i i had a game of my own so i was just sort of following along on my phone on game day and i and i see uh, bautista it's like ball and it's like strike three i'm like ah oh, crap and then i pulled away and then i pull it back up it's like a wait a minute a run scored hold on a second <laughs> wild pitch and there it goes jose but and they did they throw bautista out at first did they still manage to he, he wasn't eligible to run because the bases were loaded the bases were loaded but Russell Martin came home on that. How how badly was the, the pitch thrown? I was also following along that part on my phone. I didn't actually turn the game on until they got to, I think, the top of the 12th or something. Um, it's it just... I still don't know why Brad Hand was in that game after he threw eight straight balls, including four to Kevin Pillar. <laughs> So he's he's hard to walk. Well, he, and and then they left him in the game and the bases are loaded in a one run game and I'm thinking this guy hasn't hit the strike zone with anything but blind luck so far and he'd already missed the catcher uh when there was nobody on or with with I don't know. He'd missed the catcher and thrown a wild pitch already. I think this is your best possible option as the Padres is to leave him in there when he has no clue where the ball is going and the bases are loaded. And lo and behold, it it didn't work out for them. I don't understand that managerial decision. Yeah, he walked a guy in today's game too. Uh, who knows? But <laughs> so that <laughs> was strange work. enough. So we got – game is tied. Get all the way to the top of the 12th. And Jesse Chavez. Oh no! Hold sorry. on a second. You they skipped lost. over the craziest yeah. thing here. Who needs a DH? <laughs> is that the craziest yeah. thing? Yes. <laughs> John Gibbs a- gave up the DH in the eighth inning of a tie game because he somehow figured that wouldn't be a factor later. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, so they pinch ran for Justin Smoke with Upton, which, or sorry, pinch hit because yeah, Brad Hand, the lefty, was pitching, and. You know, that makes sense. Smoke troubles, troubles against lefties, especially hard-throwing ones. But then they sent Edwin Encarnese on the DH to first base. They didn't send Upton, Barney, Saunders, Bautista, any of those guys. Now, they said there were reasons they didn't do it. I'm not going to argue with their reasons. But if you're in the situation where that's going to be the case, start Edwin at first. Yeah. If you know that pinch hitting for Smoke is going to force the DH out of the game in your own mind... What the heck? 
Yeah. But make Smoke the DH. So I was waiting for, uh, knowing the Jays don't ever have a long bench, so so to speak, I was waiting for relief pitcher hitting. Were you not? Well, it would have had to go like this to the 15th or 16th inning for that to happen. But it did hurt them. They ended up winning the game. But I, I would bet heavily that Jesse Tavis does not come back out for a third inning of work if his spot in the lineup wasn't coming up in the bottom. That was stated by John Gibbons, I think, in the post game. Was Chavez was stretched out for the third inning because there was no DH. Right. Yeah, and he gave up a two-run homer. So, and, and I don't yeah, really even blame Jesse Chavez for that because there's there's no reason he should be sharp in a third inning of work given the role that he's had this year. Um, and there were signs before the home run that that they were locking in on whatever he was throwing. There were a couple deep fly balls prior to that. So yeah. I understand he was doing his best, but yeah, I think that's that's a little well. Obviously, that's the, the earlier mistake coming back to bite you, like you said. Yep. And at that point, a lot of people said game over. I believe when it's six four in the twelfth, and uh, they haven't done anything normal all game and haven't haven't produced anything with runners on base all game. And then it got weirder. <laughs> <laughs> that it did. So well, I. I just to sum up, they sent eight men to the plate in the bottom of the 12th. Two via a hit. One hit by pitch, two walks, and a couple of outs. And then the winning run scored on a wild pitch. Yes. Neither of those hits drew... Uh, they scored three runs. Neither of the two hits drove in any of those runs. The runs were a bases-loaded walk, a bases-loaded fielder's choice on a, a, on a short pitch. grounder... And a wild pitch. That, that that inning doesn't... Okay, I guarantee you, you could look that up. There is no equivalent inning in Major League Baseball history. I will bet you <laughs> $50 right now that that's never happened before. Uh, if there was no money on the line, I'd take the bet because baseball <laughs> has a lot of weird stuff in its history. But it was weird. Uh, but a win is a win, right? Win the ugly ones. That's what I always say. <laughs> that was the highlight of the series. I guess... Um, a few other things are notable about about this week. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the low light, which was uh, is it Kyle Dickerson? Kyle Dickerson? Dickerson. It's not Corey because I keep thinking it should be Corey Dickerson. The fifth deck home oh, run. Oh, oh yes, right no, no, it's Alex Dickerson. Alex Dickerson. That ball was just destroyed. I'm surprised <laughs> it made it to the fifth deck in one piece. Yeah. Uh, well, he actually, the, the one he hit the next day went even farther, but just a dead center. <laughs> Lower. <laughs> yeah. Low. And then he hit one. He hit another one to, today, too. So homers in all three games. Uh, the guy's apparently got some big power. Apparently. <laughs> apparently you take whatever scouting sheet or thing you're using and, and you just throw it out. You just hey, start that over. Hey, that homer sent Bo Schultz back to the minors. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's actually interesting. I, 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 you know, you wanted to talk about Dickerson and the power, but, you know, it was just a big bomb. Oh yeah, it was. But, uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, it, it's just that that was n not just a fluke, though. Like it was indicative. It, nobody's hit. No left-handed hitters hit fifth deck home runs in in. It was like the third or fourth one ever. Um, third. It, so that's crazy to see. I'm just so used to when it goes to the fifth deck to see it in left field with a righty power header. Uh, and then I thought, well, that's kind of fluky. And then he, he hits all these other bombs during the weekend. I'm thinking, who is this guy, and uh, why did we not trade for him? 
Uh, probably because they would not be wanting to trade the young player. Yeah, yeah, with lots of user control. So I'm silly. Uh, yeah, but uh, but anyway, so the reason I mentioned Schultz is he got sent back to the miners specifically, according to today's broadcast, so that he could learn a splitter, which which is so he can get lefties like Dickerson out because he's got that big fastball and that cutter slider that he throws, which are good for right-handed hitters, but lefties can hit him. So if he can actually learn a pitch like a splitter or a, or a good changeup to come up and get lefties out, he could be a real weapon out of the pen. Yeah, because I saw the d- disappointment written on his face, and I bet you he is going to put 100% effort into learning a splitter after that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he looked embarrassed, to be perfectly honest. I think that was whatever. One- if you're going to give him up, give him up big. <laughs> yeah, might as well. No wall scrapers here. Uh, this was also the first time that the entire quote-unquote opening day lineup has been a lineup. Yeah, it's actually the first time ever, even just that Travis Bautista and Tulo have been in the same lineup. Which is good. Uh, Or or bad, depending on your point of view there. Yeah, well, unless you're in love with Ryan Goins. (laughs) No, it's always bad the first time. Thinking forward, Josh. All right. Good, good, good. good But anyway, (laughs) if this lineup, now that it's intact and has some actual bench options, can play the way it's been playing? I mean, Tulo. Encarnacion, Donaldson, Travis, they're all hitting. And Martin even. You know, like if you get them all in together finally, this could be a very, very interesting last two months of the season. Absolutely. And I would like them to prove that statement true, Josh. Sooner rather than later. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a big series against Baltimore, and Baltimore is going to try and hit a whole bunch of home runs. Yeah, uh, they probably will hit a whole bunch, but, you know. Yeah, those easy Chris Davis fly balls into the second deck. Um <laughs> I'll never understand him ever. <laughs> Other things going on. Uh, would you like to give me your fun fact about Aaron Sanchez? Leads the AL and ERA. What? boy. How? <laughs> when? How? What? Uh, He's really good. That's yes, how. True. True. But when was the last time we were talking about a, a Blue Jay pitcher who wasn't a rental uh, of some kind leading the American League in ERA in July. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm a little <laughs> little shocked, a little out of, out of sorts, a little confused. Um, Jason I just have three guys in the top seven. This madness. They're, they, I mean, it's they put together the greatest starting rotation you never heard of. I think I've said it before, but it's crazy. Oh, hey, we better go back to that crazy inning, though. Because Devin Travis got no props from us. Oh, that's true. Was it 13 <laughs> pitches? 14. 14 pitches. To walk. And of those 14 pitches, how many did he swing out of the zone at? Was one. It just one? One single pitch that wasn't borderline or in the zone that he shouldn't have swung at that he swung at. So that's why I think he managed to work the walk. Um, but so we'll give him epic. a gold star for that. Yes, absolutely. That is, that is such an important part of that inning because... Uh, yeah, he was the winning run. What can you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the other three guys who's in the top seven in the ERA, I trust, is Jay Happ. Yes, he is. He's the he's in seventh. Uh, this is really interesting with going on with Happ right now. So we've talked a bunch about how Happ has been varying his pitch usage, and that's how he's been, you know, really getting this stuff done. And it's like one one outing it's sinkers and curveballs, the next outing it's four seamers and changeups. He's not doing that anymore. 
Yeah, he, he's gone back to Pittsburgh J-Hop, which is where it's forcing fastball, forcing fastball, forcing fastball over and over and over again. And it's working again, same way it was there. He's getting a ton of strikeouts. He's, you know, his strikeouts in his last four outings were 11, 9, 5, and 6 in 7, 5 and 2 thirds, 5 and 2 thirds, 6 innings. So over a strikeout per inning in each start. Impressive. Uh, the yeah, problem is, and it, it's actually it seems more sustainable, even though I think both were just on you know it, like the independent metrics are much happier that he's striking people out. Wow, we got to keep the metrics happy around here. <laughs> yeah, <know>, they are. <laughs> well, you know they're very cruel people. Make you sleep on the couch, but uh, yeah, I mean he's doing what he was doing there, and this is what people had people excited when he was first signed, and then he did something totally different, had them equally excited. But it's nice to see that he can get away from what he was doing here go back to that and be just as successful if not more so yeah well it shows that if something doesn't appear to be working for him he's he's going to keep uh tinkering and and all of his tinkering has has had good results like i said i i wasn't paying attention i was talking to you earlier i wasn't paying attention to how j-hap was doing he was just he's doing well i'm cool with that the fact that he keeps changing up how what what well is and still he gets results uh he's he's obviously really developed uh, and, and knows what he's doing with the baseball, which is, you know, I, I don't think it's a fluke is what I'm saying. I think he, whatever he has to no. adjustments he has to make, he's going to keep making. And this is similar to Estrada. I think these three guys, Sanchez, Estrada, and Hap, you know, their question marks were around these three pitchers. I think they're all real. Everything they're doing is real. Like this, you know, they, they, I wouldn't be shocked if all three finish in the top ten in ERA. Yeah, you take those three question marks, you turn them into exclamation points, and you move along. Well done. Uh, moving along to the last, I guess, sad little bit. Uh, I think it's sad anyway, because we have to talk about Josh Tolley. Tolley, there. Uh, yeah. He, he might be catching a, a little bit more because Russell Martin isn't in the best shape. Yeah, Martin banged up his knee in a sauna. <laughs> slipped, it, <laughs> slipped in a sauna. Gotta love these baseball player injuries. But, uh, you know, it, it, it does sort of underline some of the problems i mean he, he came back and he caught a couple games but he didn't look that great doing it yep you know, he, he his hitting is still fine but his you know his movements were looking a little bit limited and obviously if he's playing through it he might not be as good might may may not it's hard to say but there might be more days off that are needed and it just underlines the lack of depth this team has at catching with josh tolley who's just terrible and and josh tolley is it in, in every sense of the word he, he is from what, what we've seen about the blue jays willingness to move things around and their unwillingness to dl martin even when ailing they literally don't think they have another major league even backup ready catcher to go no i mean I, and atkins was addressed the concept of trading for someone uh he said it's not likely they, 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 if, if a situation came up that was really good, they'd do it. But the odds are they're going to play this way and then bring him in as back, up in September just for extra depth. So, yeah, that's not exactly – There's between now and September, there's a whole month before we know exactly how bad Russell Martin is and how much Josh Tully we're going to see. Yeah. Now, every time we somebody rips on Josh, uh, not you, the catcher guy, uh, he usually yeah, goes out and has a couple too. good games in a row. So maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe we can count on that. Uh, all right. So that does about all of the last week, unless I've missed any details on our list of things to cover. Nope. nope. Let's, so, let's go talk to Dr. Mike. Sounds like a plan. We'll be right back with him after this. 
pleased once again to be joined by Dr. Mike's son uh, tonight. Uh, Dr. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm wonderful, but I apparently am sitting in air conditioning and I have forced you out of your air conditioning to do this interview. Well, let's be clear. You didn't force me out of my air conditioning. I don't have air conditioning, and I had a beautiful <laughs> desk fan blowing on me, and it felt like I was on a tropical beach somewhere. It sounded like you were in a tropical hurricane, though, and we need to be able to hear you for the interview. Uh, yeah, I guess priorities, right? Uh, absolutely. I still because... think you need to start your DJ with like Dr. Mike, by the way, because that's how Greg keeps referring to you. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll do that. All right. Okay. So um, we brought you on the show today because of an article uh, that you wrote talking about uh, in the context of Aaron Sanchez um, pitch stress velocity bullpens starting rotations um, there's a lot of talk about this in Toronto so what angle did you take on that when you were trying to um, trying to shed some light on the subject yeah so um, Kyle Body and the guys over at Driveline just posted an article I, I think like two days ago where they were using uh, this device called the modus throw sensor that is designed to measure stress on the ulnar collateral ligament during throwing and uh, what they did was they had uh, five different pitchers throw 20 pitches and then they posted all of their raw data online which is an absolute godsend um, and then I was able to kind of sink my teeth into a bit. So my my idea behind this was we got Aaron Sanchez, and we're watching him the other night, and he's touching 95, 96 on the radar gun, which is awesome for a starter. Uh, it's awesome for anybody. But if you recall last year, and I think like Aaron actually like Instagrammed it, he like was punching 100 as a reliever. So he's able to like ramp it up a little bit further. Now the thing that was pretty cool from all of these data is that they reported the uh, the velocity of the pitch thrown, but they also reported um, the arm speed uh, in terms of like how fast the arm is rotating, um, and they also had like the the shoulder angle, um, and they had the uh, reported uh, ulnar collateral ligament stress from this uh, modus throw uh, sleeve that they had their pitchers wearing. So my idea was, okay, let's see what happens when we compare, like, um, of these 20 pitches these guys threw, their, like, low-velocity pitches against their high-velocity pitches, and let's see if there's more stress when a guy is, you know, giving it a little bit extra to kind of ramp up his velocity, uh, pretty similar to what, like, Aaron would be doing out of the bullpen. So when we're, just to clarify, when we're talking about a low-velocity pitch, we're, we're not talking about someone lobbing it in there. We're just talking about someone not not max effort or what they perceive as max effort yeah and like realistically we're totally talking about like him giving like a 98 percent effort um or even just it, it could be just simply a matter of you know he, they don't get the right coordination to to really unleash their their peak velocity but the idea is that you know when Aaron is a starter, he's thinking, okay, I'm trying to go seven innings today. I'm trying to go eight innings today. This is my 20th pitch. I've got another 80 of these to go today. Uh, so he's leaving a little bit in the tank on each throw because he knows he's got to do it a whole bunch more times as opposed to you know, being in the eighth inning and saying, I need to blow this guy away. Let's, let's put 99 and put 100 up on the gun. Right. No, yeah. it's interesting. You're, you're talking about this. We had David Arzema on our podcast, episode 15, I believe it was. And he essentially alluded to this whole concept of how part of what he believes is a big cause of arm injury is the demand on stuff and velocity. And as you know, you do your stuff ranking. Velocity is a big part of it. 
but it seems like it, you know, on this end has a very serious negative effect. Yeah, like it, it, it totally would. Now, when we're talking about velocity, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because uh, if somebody has to throw a lot more pitches because they're really gearing down their velocity and now they're getting hit around more, that's obviously not going to keep them in the game long enough. So their conditioning is hugely important as well. Now, the idea is that what you want your pitchers to do is in their off season, you want them training to kind of build their velocity and not necessarily just be able to like, you know, pop up all of a sudden because that's what we're seeing here is is going to be causing a little bit of extra stress within a season. Oh, that's interesting. But now, so given what you've, your research showing and given all the chatter, are you surprised that there's still this constant belief that pitchers have to go to the bullpen to save their arm? I mean, the Jays have this high performance department, which you alluded to in your piece. You would think that they would have some kind of research similar to this, wouldn't they? No, I mean, we're all assuming this, right? Because we keep yeah. hearing it on Jays talk every day. Um, and we keep hearing, you know, the AM radio just nonstop. Oh, it's going to be an innings limit. We're moving them to the bullpen. Like, we've kind of had it alluded to a little bit, but I don't think it's been absolutely outright declared. And, like, I kind of, like, wrote in the end of that article that they hired this high-performance team um, because they're not just going to use, like, an abacus to say, okay, you've reached your 100th. Uh, or your 190th inning of the season, time to shut her down and move to the bullpen. <laughs> um, there's some like pretty bright people that are making some really hard decisions and doing some pretty good work behind the scenes that realistically none of us are ever going to know about because it's like trade secret. So who knows what exactly is going on back there? And I guess what I'm saying with this article is that if you're really trying to save Sanchez's arm for next season, it's not necessarily a matter of moving him to the bullpen to save it because there's going to be other things that start happening when he moves to the bullpen, you know, ramping up his velocity, pitching in higher stress situations. Those things are probably going to be just as bad for his arm and his overall workload. What you want to probably do is if you think, okay, he's hit this threshold, you, you probably shut him down for the season. Oh, I can, I can imagine how the people would react to that one. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, as a fan watching, like, I probably feel, like, uh, the same way. Like, uh, he's so good. He's pitching so well this season. Um, and, you know, in my, like, head, I'm thinking, like, there's a bunch of people in lab coats and there's, like, cool montage music playing and this Jay's high performance department's <laughs> walking around in, like, a vacuum-sealed room and it's just, like, air-locked. Uh, and they're, like you know, just looking at all these different 3D models of Aaron Sanchez and monitoring all these different things. And they're going to say, okay, we're noticed something's going on here. Uh, you know, he's seeing a velocity dip. He's uh, losing action on his pitches. It's a sign that he's starting to, you know, fatigue a little bit. We got to do something to monitor and change his workload moving forward. And I've, I've like talked about this um, to some extent with different people, but I, I think the way to go with Sanchez is not necessarily moving him to the bullpen. It's maybe it, adding a sixth starter to their rotation, giving them more days off, giving them a little bit more time to recover, and then just continually monitoring what's happening with them. Interestingly, actually, uh, Ross Atkins was saying something very similar today, that he, right now he's going to stay on rotation, but it might not be a five-man rotation. Yeah. <laughs> Seven-man rotation. It's gross. Go, like, yeah. <laughs> let's, like, like, once Goins comes back, let's add him to the rotation. Just anybody who can rotate in there like, <laughs> today – all right, Jim from Burlington, you're 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 tossing. 
Um, so <laughs> I think what I was one I, I'm looking at is we have a lot of a lot of pitchers who get injured, and we can look back afterwards and we can see the point at which we think they got injured. Um, now we don't even know that for sure, but we look at a velocity drop or we look where the spin changed on on a, a, a bunch of their pitches, something like that. Or when they grab their elbow and said, "Ow." That's yeah. a good spot, uh, you know, okay. and they say things like, I heard a popping. Um, yeah. But do we actually have any precursors to injury that we know are reliable at this point? Um, the, the velocity dips have have been seen as signs of somebody, you know, maybe protecting themselves a little bit more. So when you see somebody's um, velocity drop off, it, that's a warning sign and I've kind of been wondered if Drew Storen was hurt all year with his his huge decline in velocity um, but it could also just be the natural aging process that might be just something that's happening with him um, th- there's a lot of stuff going on um, if you read there's some really good articles on Sportsnet about Marcus Stroman's uh, rehab and this uh, catapult device the thing that kind of looks like a sports bra that he's wearing that's supposedly measuring his central nervous system response to exercise and saying okay he's recovered enough let's he can go again today some of that work is looking like it's pretty uh, pretty exciting from a, an injury prevention perspective but once again like what you're kind of seeing is these are really cool ideas but um, they're private sector things and people are making money off them and I mean if they're the right thing to do then all the power to them but we may never know exactly what's ha- happening under the hood because it's kind of trade secret well that's that's what I'm wondering is is we have obviously people building their proprietary databases in whatever way they're doing it, trying to protect their assets. Because there, there is a lot of money out there, and, and some teams are going to realize that more than others. But how do you get the proprietary stuff into a spot where it can help people who maybe aren't with a professional organization? Maybe they're 20 years old and in college, and are you know th- there would be the potential for them to realize they were doing something wrong or, or leading themselves into an injury. How, how, do you, how, does, how does that database get built without giving it all away? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and I mean, some of it's going to come down to uh, you know good researchers publishing papers uh, in labs and looking for um, suitable surrogates for more complex measures. So by that I mean, like, let's say you know peak rotation of the shoulder, peak rotation velocity of your shoulder uh, changing or becoming more variable is associated with injury, and this is just totally hypothetical. Um, if there was some other surrogate in terms of, uh, you know, the pitcher is now not able to command uh, a certain pitch in a certain way, having like your scientists come up with these surrogates um, to help, you know, people who don't have the technology, that's an idea as well. Now, the other thing that's super interesting is, have, have you guys heard of that Kinetrax system that they installed in Tampa Bay? No. So Kinetrax is like markerless motion capture that's installed throughout um, the I was going to call them the Devil Rays, the Rays <laughs> Stadium. That's a party foul, isn't it? Everybody has to drink once if you call them the Devil Rays. No, you have um, to sing a, one chorus of "Let's Do the Time Warp Again." Okay, well, I'm not. So, and I, <laughs> we don't want to lose all our listeners, Greg. Yeah, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I said I almost said. It. Um, so, uh, Kinetrax essentially will get all of these uh, kinematic variables. So. Uh, the joint angles during the pitches, breaking it down into the different phases of the pitches. And it's happening on every single pitch. And just like right now, we have these huge pitch FX databases. Um, imagine you had like a huge wealth of kinematics uh, database. 
and you had it for the entire season and you had it in like the two starts leading up to somebody having a UCL rupture like those are going to be some of the most valuable data you could ever imagine from an injury per- prevention perspective and i mean it's pretty advanced technology but once we start learning what's going on in the majors that's going to filter down i mean you're just now seeing in some of the united states uh, high school leagues that they're saying okay we're going to enforce uh, a pitch count uh, now so I mean they're pretty far away from taking any advice from uh, you know liberal scientists up in Canada uh, to tell them how to run their baseball team down in Missouri so um, that's a start but at some point in time they're gonna kind of intersect and you gotta kind of rely on the scientists to come up with ideas that uh, can be replicated when you don't necessarily have the technology. Uh, You don't necessarily have, you know, the the high-performance teams in their uh, vacuum-sealed rooms uh, doing these types of um, analyses. Like, how can we get this into the hands of moms and dads that are watching their kids pitch, uh, you know, at the high school level to, uh, to prevent these injuries? I think the answer is that we make Dr. Mike Son the president of baseball injury prevention. I'm I'm very gainfully employed and happy with my current employer. So you have to make me a, an offer I couldn't refuse. Well, no, considering well, the, yeah. the 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 organization doesn't exist yet, we'll have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to ask my wife too. To she already thinks I watch too much baseball. So okay, well, so la- last one, just you know, very tongue in cheek. You'd mentioned your montage. Yep. What is your montage music? And it better not be Time Warp. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a really good. Uh, Really good question. Um, maybe we'll we'll go with uh, you know just because I've spent so much time uh, in school and seen all the people around me that are you know getting bigger grants than me and and doing all of these things and I'm the one that's kind of left in the dust uh, just uh, grinding away. And a shout out to my boy uh, Nick Dyka and uh, Baseball Perspective. But let's go with our montage music being Private School by Arkells for now. Oh my goodness! Very good choice. You get uh, five points, which are non-redeemable for picking someone who works with us. Uh, okay, excellent. <laughs> all right, we will we will link to your research piece. But if people want to find you on Twitter, talking baseball and on all fun things related to that, um, it is I've it, lost it again. <laughs> tell, tell, Dr. Tell us Mike Sign. Dr. Mike Sign. All no capitals, no dashes, nothing. You just um, ran it all together. Twitter doesn't capitals really, don't matter. Not, yeah, it's not case sensitive. So just uh, you do it all caps if you want to yell at me. <laughs> or all case if you're trying to whisper. Awesome. Cool. All right. Thank you, sir, for joining us once again. It was very insightful. And, uh, yeah, if you write another fantastic article that highlights a Blue Jay player in the near future, maybe we'll have you back on. Well, maybe I'll be doing that in the near future. Ooh. Teasing. <laughs> all <laughs> right, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. And there you go, in plain English, a little bit about uh, pitcher injuries, stresses, all that cool stuff, and some real data that uh, Dr. Sun got to dig his teeth into. Yeah, and so if people were wondering why we weren't, again, addressing the Sanchez to the pen thing when we talked about, him, talked about him earlier, that's why. Because <laughs> <laughs> we got 15 minutes of Sanchez to the pen or no. <laughs> uh, of course, things that people ask us about are about Sanchez to the pen sometimes, but this time... We're going to start somewhere totally different. Uh, we have Aaron Poleski, which I believe uh, came in last week at Poleski29. Um, Dodgers looking for veteran outfield bat. Would you do Puig for Batista? Josh. 
it's an interesting concept because Puig is under contract for another couple of years for very little money, but he's declining. He keeps getting injured, and the Jays are built to win right now. So no, no, also I wouldn't no. do it. Yeah, I'm gonna go with no because even in uh, this year, uh, Puig is not Bautista, and you really, no. really need and, this year. And Bautista's not even Bautista this year, and Puig's still not that. Yeah. Sorry, Puig. I, I really like him, but... And we're going to talk about him possibly on the do-overs, aren't we? Uh, yes. Yeah. There's a good chance that yeah, Puig, so Puig might, will come up again. Might come back. <laughs> um, okay. Pilar Rather Walk, at KP Rather Walk, who we discussed the, the nature of this Twitter account last week. Wow, that is an interesting Photoshop of... Saved by the bell. <laughs> yeah, doing the tires. Uh, who will finish the season with more walks, Josh Tolle or Kevin Pillar? Have we, this have, is a tough question. How, how close are they right now? I think they're tied. And, and Josh Tolle only plays every five days normally, but now we know he's going to get more <laughs> playing time. That's true. He caught like three out of four games. So, yeah, if Rus- oh, th- this will be the answer. If Russell Martin needs even a couple extra days off, Tolle's going to take this. Yep. I agree, a hundred percent, no problem. Because uh, Kevin Pillar is embarrassed to walk. He's he yes. may be the best guy in the major leagues at hitting pitches foul that were going to hit him. <laughs> I don't know yes. if that's a skill you want to have. No, well, it's good self preservation. But Tolly's got twelve walks in one hundred and four plate appearances. <laughs> so. And whereas Pilar has twelve walks in over four hundred. <laughs> yeah, my money's on uh my money's on the catcher. Yep. All right. I'll Luke, read one for you. At Spork V underscore. Who, what do you guys expect the Jays to add in the next week? Do we get any ninja moves post AA? Uh well I mean Benwan was kind of a ninja move, I suppose. No one saw that coming. Well, especially I, after, I, well, not for Storin. Everyone yeah, no kidding. After he's DFA. <laughs> See ya. Uh, but uh, I, I think they're going to get another pitcher. I really do. Reliever or starter? Uh, pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> not a belly itcher, as they say. Um, in regards to the the way that moves are made, I, I think there's good evidence here that um, certainly as much as everyone was like, oh, Shapiro and Atkins are Cleveland guys and they do it this way or they work that way uh, there's very good evidence that they're using whatever they've got at their disposal and really looking for talent and looking to upgrade with all the, the, the things they've done Grilly, Benoit and Upton there is a you know they're not just sitting there on their hands going oh we ran out of budget um, so no yeah, especially I, with like taking on money for this season yeah not a huge amount of money but it shows that they're not completely tied so yes it sounds like it was like a few million this season which is uh, and when it comes to deadline additions that's pretty big absolutely and i think that's that bodes well for the idea that they're still looking for talent and that maybe putting forty thousand seats in the rogers center every night takes some of the pressure off of that bottom line but who knows yeah so yeah i think we're in agreement like this they're ready and willing to make additions and we i guess we both think they're going to do another one uh, and then we have, I just wanted to say this, Blarwin Darney, at Blarwin Darney. <laughs> uh, this is in 
related to, I guess, a, a future iteration of what happened when they lost the DH the other night. Bautista needs to go to first when Upton pinch hits for smoke. No? If he pushes back, too bad for the D-backs future right fielder. I do not think the D-backs are going to sign Jose Bautista, <laughs> for the record. No. Um, they're more likely to sign Darwin Barney to go with Blarwin Darney. But uh, I, I, I think that the role... Actually, I know that the reason they didn't do this is because they had they didn't want to put Bautista at first base because of his foot I don't get that it's his left foot so it's I don't understand how playing right field is easier than playing first base I I think I'm guessing there's a specific reason they don't because they've shoved him there in the past I don't know maybe he has trouble pivoting on the foot Um, uh, I I don't know but what they they can't do this thing again that they've done that's just basically the answer it's like you can't lose your DH in the American League in tie games and ultimately, the answer to that is plan to not lose the DH, like you, yeah. you illustrated earlier. Yep. Smoke okay. is your DH at the beginning of the game, and then you don't have this problem. Right. I'll read the next one for you. Sure. This is from NTJ at Nat Be Quick. What sort of compensation will the Jays expect to get in free agency if Bautista, Edwin, Saunders, and Cecil are all signed by other teams? So we get uh, into rules here. They are because none of them were traded in season and have spent mm-hmm. all season with us. Each one nets a compensation pick, unless if they're given a qualifying offer. If they're given a qualifying offer, so Brett Cecil will not be qualified. No, no chance. Um, I would anticipate that the other three might be qualified. Again, this all provided Saunders remains uh, hitting anywhere near the way he is and healthy. You know what? I think at this point he's going to get it regardless. Okay, so we qualify all three. And then you have to look at, did the Blue Jays sign anybody who received a qualifying offer in the offseason? Because then that will cancel out that draft pick. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, well, they'll still get the pick, and then they'll just lose their first pick if they don't, if they sign someone else. Right. So um, you're looking at three compensatory three round rounds. picks. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. Does that really matter to this team right now? No. No, not at all. <laughs> As, as we've seen, there's not a lot of first-round picks uh, other than the first three or four guys are very consistently make it in baseball. So maybe in four years... I don't years, think that's we'll accurate, actually, at all anymore. A lot of first-rounders make the big leagues. The stick in the big leagues, maybe, yeah. would be more but, appropriate. No, but those picks will have value, but it's not a consideration at the moment. But that's how the rules work, if that was really the question. And uh, I have a last question. I, I think it's specifically... F- Oh, sorry, that was from NTJ, Nat Be Quick. I did say that when I read it. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. This is from Baseball Her. Ball Her. Who um, does not listen to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But ask questions anyway. Thanks for the content. Awesome. What does Josh Housem want to spend his hashtag MyBlueJays points on? <laughs> so yeah, these are the points you get for being season ticket holders for the Blue Jays, and that's which totally not annoying for those of us who are not season ticket holders. Just <laughs> mute the hashtag. Um, but but uh, <laughs> the answer is clearly a Josh Tolley signed photo. Not not what, the box of Drew. Sorry, you no, Josh Tolley signed bat. That's the that's the thing that's in the market. You don't <laughs> want the box have. of Drew Store and autographed baseballs? No, those are already gone. Someone oh. bought them already. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are, you, are you able to carry those points to next season, Josh? That was my next <laughs> suggest- <laughs> Could I suggest that? Uh, no, I'll use them on something. Maybe I throw out the first pitch or something like that. 
Ooh. That sounds fancy. I, I would like to get, uh... I would like to get footage of that. Um, especially when you ramp it up there at about 75 miles an hour and they're not expecting it. <laughs> from you, 60 if, feet, from 45 feet. Yeah, if you get to throw it the first pitch, you gotta play like you don't know what you're doing right up until whoever's down in the crouch. And then just like fire an 85 mile an hour fastball from 45 feet. Aaron says she's out for the season, injured in the, in the first pitch. Oh my goodness. Let's go to do-overs. Uh... Do we have time for two do-overs? We're, we're, we're actually running a little long here, but that's okay. Uh, first one. We'll go quick. We have everybody's favorite, Pat Tabler. You brought up the fact that maybe he said something prior to Ari Dickey's start today that deserves. Before you cue this up, just real quick, this this started off with a talk about how the Padres were on, if they hit a home run this game, they'd have tied the NL record for consecutive games with home runs. Sure, and against R.A. Dickey, I would just instinctively say that was pretty much a given. Yeah, well, <laughs> what does Pat say? Home runs really haven't been a problem for R.A. this season. <laughs> he gave up one in his last start, three to start before that. So, did he just say one in his last start, three before start before that? As evidence that he doesn't have a home run problem. <laughs> Do I need to play the rest of this clip? Nope, that's the rest. That's the whole thing. <laughs> What? And then he reiterates, like, uh, right after he says that, it's like, yeah, so he doesn't have a home run problem. What, what do you, I don't understand. Uh, so, like, you know, the broadcast is tough, but come on. All right, Dickie is fourth in the league in home run percentage by opponents. Yeah. Fourth behind Kennedy, Tomlin, and Weaver among qualified pitchers. Who are all by Chris all, Young doesn't yeah. count because he doesn't have enough innings. Wow. Um, yeah, that's like the opposite of what's true, uh, Pat. I don't know where, what you were watching the, earlier. The best is just the evidence he uses. Like, no, Pat, yeah. that's what means he does have one. <laughs> yeah, three in the three in the just three in the start before that. Uh, <laughs> did he start the game in Chicago? We uh, you asked me this last podcast. Yes, he did. <laughs> so that's evidence of no home run problem at all. Because <laughs> they were all solo home runs, Josh. Those are okay. Yeah. Didn't well, you know? Today they weren't. All right. He's given up seven home runs with runners on base this season. See? That's hardly any. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number two do-over. Uh, we have Major League Baseball to thank for this one. Would you like to explain? I will. So, Yasiel Puig, this is where he's coming up again. He's been wearing these fun tweets. Fun tweets. Fun <laughs> shoes. He, the first one had, was American flag themed. The second one was Cuban flag themed. He's Cuban. And then the, the la- most recent one had, were Vin Scully themed. How do you Vin the, Scully the, theme a shoe? I'm just curious. They had a little picture of Vin Scully's face on them. Oh. <laughs> and, right. and they said, win it for Vin. MLB's Twitter account tweeted out, these Vin Scully tweet cleats are, and put the emoji with the face with the hearts for eyes. This is the official account. And now they're trying to fine him for wearing these cleats <laughs> if he wears them again. Someone did not get a memo somewhere. I don't know if it's the Twitter guy or the uh, the front office guy or so this is like a, a Michael Jordan thing where you're you're not allowed to wear certain things on the field, ergo we will fine you every time you wear them. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Does MLB need money that badly? Is that the problem? I don't know. Apparently it's like $5,000 fine or something. Yeah. Don't promote them if you're going to fine. That's the do-over. Yeah. Yeah. Try and keep them off your own Twitter account would be 
if you don't do that, then maybe we, we won't talk too much about it. That doesn't even make... Uh, total nonsense for Major League Baseball. That would be the first time that had ever happened, right? <laughs> of course. Oh. Pristine record. <laughs> I think that about sums it up. So at that point, I would like to say uh, that you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010, and our guest tonight was Dr. Mike Sun at Dr. Mike Sun. This was episode number 22 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we will see you next week. And enjoy Bautista crushing O'Day this weekend. Had to be said. It's been said. <laughs>